Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. My name is Rohan, and as usual, I've got Phil. Hey, Phil. Hey, Rohan. How's it going? Good. This episode has been sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your local Home Assistant instance remotely for a monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and ESP Home projects. Configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certificates, or any YAML involved. All right. And we've got a special guest on today. Corey, how's it going? Good. How are you guys? Good. Yeah, good. Where are you joining us from, Corey? So I am in Idaho in the United States. Nice. Very nice. Um, Very so nice. welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. Obviously, I'm guessing you're a Home Assistant user. Yep. I've uh, been using Home Assistant. Uh, I started in 2017, so a little while now. Nice. 2017, yeah. Wow. Uh, so what would have been your first version, I'm guessing? Like, I want to say it was like 0.53, yeah. 0.51, somewhere around there. Okay. Yep. I, I definitely remember it, it felt fairly mature. Uh, I mean, the, the version numbers don't always tell the whole story, right? But um, <laughs> that was one of the things that drew me to it. Is like you could tell there was a lot of polish put into the, the project. Yep. Yeah. Was it still 0.54 back then? I can't remember if they still I they think put the so. zero by then. Yeah, oh, it's, it been. it's been so long. It would yeah, have been so long. All right, cool. Well, so yeah, so how did you, um, so you've obviously using Home Assistant today. So where did you start with home automation in general? And then how did that lead you to Home Assistant? I, I feel like I started ages ago, you know, I, so I'm a, a, an IT guy. I've been doing various you know, system administration or whatever. I, I worked at mm-hmm. uh, internet service provider for a decade and learned all the things about monitoring, monitoring our routers, modems, all that stuff, right? So you get used to this enterprise-grade stuff, and then you come home and you use these cheap little Netlink routers at home, and you're just like so disappointed. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, I, I was familiar with with how really fancy, expensive gear works. Um, and yeah. there was one time the company president just, I don't know, he's got some kind of a uh, a crazy idea that he was going to get into managing SCADA systems. Those are the, uh, oh, I can never remember what SCADA stands for, but those are the systems that manage like, uh, like your, your streetlights controls all the streetlights yeah. or oh, wow. in our case, um, it was, uh, well, so we're near Wyoming and there's a lot of, uh, mm-hmm. oil and gas production in Wyoming. And so, yeah, um, yeah. they use these SCADA systems to control the wells and the pumps and just all the different stuff. Uh, so he sent a bunch of us off to, uh, to training to learn how to program SCADA systems. I don't know why we never did anything with it, but I learned how they worked and it was, it was kind of fun to like to get really low yeah. level and be able to program individual pins and doing like, uh, oh, what's the, uh, the, uh, integrate, um, the loop, um, and I'm blanking on it. Um, but we learned how to do, uh, a bunch of this like low level control and, sure. um, um, so at some point I realized I could do this at home. There's enough of this stuff where I got into Arduino. My son was kind of interested in that. I bought him a little Arduino kit and we started programming with that. He lost interest real fast. And I was like, well, I'm going to get me one of these. So yeah, I bought me yeah. a little Arduino kit and I just kept buying more little components. And I, I, I thought to myself, I, I could just build a home automation thing. And the first thing I built was a little relay board that pl- connected to my fireplace. Because why wouldn't I play with gas and fire, right? As my yeah, first foray. Well, uh, I mean, nothing could go wrong there. Yeah, yeah. right. So I, I posted a picture on, on Facebook once of me like with it hooked up with the wires dangling out of the wall. And I'm like, I'm controlling my fireplace. And people are like... Uh, are you okay, man? Oh. <laughs> um, so I put that back together. Like it was a giant thing and it was, it was never going to work. Um, but those were kind of got really interested. I thought I, I can control this. I can build it myself. I always yeah, have that. Yeah. I, I'm one of those types that just jumps in. Like I could do this. So I started writing it up in Perl and I started writing up some design documents and some, yeah. some things. And as I was looking around for different libraries to use, cause Perl is just my, my go-to language. I've been doing that forever. Sure. Um, I, I stumbled across, um, open hab, um, mm-hmm. yeah. like some of the, you know, yeah. something led to something led to something. And I found open house like, Oh, well, this is kind of cool. Maybe I could use this as the basis. So I started building that and, um, I ran that for a little while, but just never, never felt like it clicked with me. It, 
for one, it was written in Java and I've programmed in Java for way too many years to, to still like Java. Yeah. Um, yep. so, so that was so kind of a, yeah. Yeah, a stumbling block for me. Um, and, and then the config, I was having a hard time. I think OpenHab 2 came out while I was using it and it was, a, it was a big improvement. It mm. had a bunch of auto discovery. It, it was pretty cool. Um, and then, as I was looking for information about how to configure that, everybody on Reddit was like, oh, this, you can do this in Home Assistant, and this in Home Assistant. I'm like, what is this Home Assistant thing? Maybe I'll take a look. And then yeah. people were talking about their their scripts that they'd wrote, written. And I looked at them like, well, that's just a little YAML config. That's not a script. You're not programming. I'm like, nah, this isn't anything. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Script I, kiddies I, these days, right? Just get some yeah. and think they're doing you know, magic, right? Yeah. Uh, no effort of course, anymore. I, I didn't bother to look into what it, what they were actually doing and why it was kind of cool. I just kind of wrote it off sure. and dismissed it. So it, it took me a while before I finally got in there and looked at it. I was like, I, I think what finally did it for me was I went to the website and looked at all the integrations that were available. And I think at the time there were something like 700. And I was yeah. scrolling through. The, and I was like, wow, this is like everything. Um it was a lot, and like a yeah, lot of stuff yeah. out of the box. I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool. I got to try that. So that's what uh, ultimately led me to to give it a whirl. Yeah, and I mean, nice. just as of right now, there's 2,377 integrations. Just to just to put that into into perspective. Yeah, of, yeah and I, I remember that number at the time because uh, I gave a presentation. There was in um, in the Salt Lake City area. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a, a group that's off and on had uh, like a, a an open source convention called Open yeah. West, and okay. in 2018 I, I gave a presentation. I've been I've been doing presentations on on various things there um, over the years, and and I think that was the last one I attended. Um, they've been kind of on hiatus, um, but I gave one on Open, uh, or, or sorry, on, on um, Home Assistant, and. Like it was a packed room. Everybody was pretty excited. I brought, I bought a couple little like sewn off minis and was giving those out as like rewards for, for people yeah, answering yeah, yeah, questions. Yeah. I, I've, I've always been of the opinion that as a speaker, if you bribe people in the audience, like your, your, <laughs> your presentation goes better. It's so true. <laughs> so, so true. Yeah. Yeah. So I brought a couple of those and a couple little Arduino nanos or something and, and gave them out. Um, and, and that was part of my presentation was that I wrote in there. It was like 900 and something, um, current integrations in there and and so the numbers just kind of always stuck in my head wow but, yeah but seeing that, that room full of people is what really made me realize that like this could be a big thing because like you'd have heard about internet of things for years and they're like oh it's gonna you can control your toaster and like why would you want to control your toaster like that's just yeah. stupid now but now, now we're like oh, <laughs> <I need> toaster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's funny I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting that you got started on the industrial side though, right? Cause again, like you said, SCADA is typically used in like plants or like, like in like facilities like power generation or water, wastewater, or, um, again, oil and gas, that kind of stuff. Right. Like, um, so it's interesting that that's kind of what sparked you to go. Yeah. To well, I saw Usually a lot of similarities between SCADA and Arduino yeah. and, obviously the boards are a lot smaller, a lot cheaper too. And uh, my brother-in-law is, um, I don't know, I guess my cousin-in-law, um, a friend of mine, um, is, (laughs) does industrial (laughs) systems. He does industrial (laughs) systems and, um, I was talking to him and he's like, yeah, we, we just, we do all of our prototyping with Arduino stuff. And then you do the simple stuff there, you can build it quick and then you move to the bigger stuff. Because the concepts are pretty similar. That's cool. I, I didn't realize it was that similar between like where you prototype on Arduino and then and you can essentially port it more or less into into the SCADA world. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess I should say, uh, you know, I took that one class <laughs> the one time t- ten years yeah, ago. Yeah. So <laughs> things have probably changed since then. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's my impression is that there's a, a lot of the concepts are very similar. That's cool. So have you have you done any of those like I don't want to call it like large scale because again we like when you think industrial you're thinking like okay like cranes or plant or, or like uh, like belts that that transport things have you brought any of that either technology or logic or whatever into your into your home? Um, 
I mean, I've, I've brought a few things, I suppose. Like, like I built my own sprinkler controller with mm-hmm. um, like a dozen relays and hooked it up to um, the 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 twenty four twenty four volt AC input and and stepped that down to DC to power the board. And um, that's probably my most complicated. I tried back when I was trying to build everything from scratch. I tried using um, these little uh, 2.4 gigahertz um, chips that you could plug into an Arduino, and then you you have to define your own data packets and your communication protocols and all this. And I was so excited yeah. about that. I, I mean, I kind of got it working, but it's a lot of overhead. Yeah. Um, when I finally found the ESP Home project, I was like, "Yeah, we'll dump that. We're going straight to ESP <laughs> Home." <laughs> That's fair. So can I, while we're on the topic of sprinklers then, can I ask you about your sprinklers? So are you actively using Home Assistant today to control your sprinklers around the house? Yes. Yeah. So I have get- 10 zones <laughs> and, um, uh, yeah, so I have 10 zones and, and it's, I'm using an ESP32. I started out with an Arduino, um, mega because it has tons of um pins and i just i didn't want to bother with breakouts and and a whole bunch of stuff and um so but i finally switched over to an esp32 um so that i could run um esp home directly on it um yeah so it, it controls each of the zones the the home assistant controls like when it starts and how long it runs that sort of thing um yeah. but it it pushes all that config onto the board and so it it uses um like sensors and inputs to um to set the run times and then it says okay now run and then it'll and then the board controls all the running so if home assistant loses connection while it while the sprinklers are running um it still keeps running as long as it doesn't lose power either so just so you understand correctly so Home assistant can say, all right, you need to run for 30 minutes. So it will tell the ESP board, all right, run for 30 minutes. And then it will just turn itself off after 30 minutes. Yeah. And then, yeah, so it starts a script on the ESP board and then that just runs. And when it's done, then it stops. Nice. So are you using, so home assistant is, I'm guessing, controlling, all right, it hasn't rained for a few days. So I need you to water today for 30 minutes at this time. Yeah, so I've, I've tied it into a few things, like the rain level. My neighbor has a, a rain gauge, like a big fancy weather station, the, the cool. few hundred dollar ones. So I bought the uh, the cheap little RF um, nice. radios, and, and I'm, yeah. I'm borrowing his rain gauge. Uh, Did he know you're borrowing the rain gauge? <laughs> I haven't Did... mentioned it to him. I think he'd be okay with it, but, I mean, Is he's it, the one sending just signals to me, it. right? Yeah. Yeah. So, right. do I just ask you, would you have to pair it, or can you just like sniff the signals anyway? Yeah, you just sniff it. And in nice. fact, oh. like the the software is so clever, it, you just run it and it it finds it. Yeah, it, it knows. You know, people have written these decoders and yeah. um, temperature sensors. Like when I set it up and I I put it outside, so the so the antenna had good signal. I just wanted to see how many I was picking up, and there's like thirty or forty just in my little neighborhood. Wow. That's you pretty know, cool. I should. I should once see I put it inside, then it got it here. Yeah. Well, once I put it inside, I can't pick up quite as many signals. There's only three or four that are reliable. Sure. Um, I've got one, and it's like one of the little ones, just just a temperature and humidity. But he's got one of the big fancy ones, so I use that for the for the rain amounts, and then um, you know, I, I I keep track of the temperature, and then so if if the temperature has been over a certain um, level like it doesn't get too hot here like we normally hit about 95 degrees fahrenheit in the in the summer um we don't normally get over 100 um but it kind of looks at if it's above 75 or 80 then it it increases the percentage there's a a percentage offset that it uses so if it's cooler mm-hmm. then it it knocks it down so it doesn't have to run quite as long and then if there's been rain then it'll delay it and Home Assistant does all those calculations, pushes them onto the ESP board, and then the ESP board just runs whatever I tell it to, to run. That's, that's pretty cool. cool. Yeah, yeah. So what, yeah. 95 Fahrenheit is about 35 Celsius. So, yeah, not, not too yeah, hot right, there. I think. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. Okay, cool. The only thing is that there's been a few times where um, something was wrong with the controller, and it I'm not sure exactly what. I, I got it to stop doing it, but I don't know exactly how I stopped it. But it would just leave the the sprinkler running. 
it would it would nice. it would say that it's done, oh. but the sprinkler would still be running, and uh, and then it would move on and turn on the next one, and so eventually all the sprinklers were just dribbling <laughs> water everywhere, right. trying to flood the basement. <laughs> God. There was one time we were out of town and the sprinklers came on and um, um, it, uh, yeah, it, I happened to notice on the camera that it was, um, th- that the sprinklers were still running and it had been like three or four hours. I'm like, that's mm, too long. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So I called one of the neighbors and asked him to go inside. So I was able to open the garage remotely because that was one of the few in- integrations I'd done so far. I built yeah. a little ESP board that could open and control the open close the garage and they went in and came downstairs and just shut off the whole house water yeah might as well at that point that's that's see that that's the scary part though right when you do this kind of stuff and it's like oh crap what happens if right yeah um, on the one hand it's scary because i, I was I, I tried to automate something and it didn't work on the other hand i automated the garage door and it worked great to allow <laughs> them to get in and shut off the water so if not yeah. for that then yeah, so I guess it depends on which one uh, which one your spouse is willing to accept as a as an excuse. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's nice to have a fail safe, I guess. Right? It's, yeah. uh, but um, so you're powering the uh, solenoids and getting everything through just like a single power jack into and the ESP board. Does that ESP board then power all the solenoids, or does each solenoid need its own individual power? Yeah, so there's there's only one power supply that is powering the board and is connected um, through the the line, and that's typical of how sprinkler systems go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think you're not supposed to run more than one solenoid at a time. I try not to because then there's not enough water pressure for it anyway. Mm, yeah, um, but I have made that mistake of opening up too many relays at once, and yeah. I haven't burned it out yet. So the solenoids, I'm guessing they require like an active power to remain open. And then if power's cut, they'll close. Is that how they work? Or do they actually need just like a signal, you know, enough power to turn it off and then another power bit to turn it on again? Yeah, they require constant power to stay open. Yep. Okay. And then as soon as, so yeah, the, the relays, um, like the, the, I guess it's common. It's not ground because it's AC Mm. power. Um, Right is connected to each of the relays and then each of the solenoids has its own control wire that's connected. And then the, the relays are set up to be um, normally open. And then when it's, once I activate that relay closes, it sends the 24 volts down to that solenoid, it comes on and yep. then, yep. So I guess that's also a safety measure in terms of like, if the power runs out, like if you lose power in the middle of a water cycle, then the sprinklers will shut off. Yeah. Yeah. They're supposed okay. to. They're supposed to, yeah. In, in theory, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I found that if, if you don't have the the like the diaphragm tightened just right, then it it can't release the pressure. It's kind of a cool like mechanical way that it works, mm. where there's this diaphragm and it, there's a a vacuum on one side, and when it opens, it just lets a little bit of water into that the other side, and so then the diaphragm can pop open and it opens the valve. Um, so that's all that really has to do to keep it open. Yeah. Um, and so if it can't release the pressure on that side so that the water can drain out once the cycle's done, then it will just stay open. And, and I think that's what was happening to me. I just didn't have it tuned just right. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So note to self, if I ever ended up doing this, just. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just had to go properly. around and just like, there's just a little set screw and I just had to twist yeah. it just, just until it turned off and then uh, call it good. Nice. Okay, that's kind of cool. And how have you managed? So you said you got ten zones. What was your? How did you plan out those zones? Yeah. Like, well, that was already done for us because we moved into an existing house. Nice. And okay. I just took the, just pulled the wires out of the old one and popped them into the new one. Yep. Um, so the, yeah, that was um, some of their decisions on where they put sprinklers leave me uh, scratching my head. Like yeah. I have two sprinklers that. Um, shoot at each other like they're in the same zone and they shoot like one's trying to, yeah. sh- to spray one way and one's trying to spray the other way instead of pointing them in the direction they're spraying they pointed them at each other so <laughs> it doesn't get really well watered right there that's fine Fair enough. well is, isn't it supposed to be like because technically you do like multiple in to cover a single spot right or you do like half circles or something like that right so that yeah. there's, there's overlap 
Yeah, there's supposed to be overlap. Uh, In this case, it's it's excessive. <laughs> it's just, like it's just they're literally like two inches from each other, like spraying right across <laughs> yeah, each that's, other. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, what was your first foray into like? So you start out with Home Assistant. Did you have like a smart technology that you want to go with, like Zigbee, Z-Wave, or anything, or is it all Wi-Fi? Was there anything like that you had got? like the gateway drug to everything else? Um, you know, the first thing I, I guess was, was, um, was, was Wi-Fi building stuff on, on Arduino boards. Um, and yeah. it's just cause that's what was available. But after, after a little while of messing with that and, you know, there wasn't a whole lot that I could find that was like reliable and, and good and was available to control locally. That was Wi-Fi. Yeah. Like that's the hard thing with Wi-Fi is, you know, that, in a lot yeah. of cases, like I tried buying a little camera, I tried buying a few little things, and like you're like, it doesn't work offline. Oh, well, great. It's no good mm-hmm. to me. Send it back. Um, so I eventually tried my hand at Z Wave, and I was running with the, the Z Wave integration um, in Home Assistant, and yeah. it was just flaky. I think everybody this is the original kind of knows one that. before like, uh, Z-Wave JS came free. out. So yeah. it was Open Z-Wave, I think, was the the underlying yeah. library. Yeah, from but it. it hadn't been updated in quite a while. And so at one stage, they went, even did a fork of it as well. That was only Home Assistant specific or something. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah it was kind of just messy. And and the guy who was running it, like to his credit, like he just didn't have time. It wasn't because he yeah. was yeah being mean or anything. <laughs> just like he had a yeah. life, like. I get that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it was kind of hit or miss, but I, I do have still a fair number of Z-Wave things in, um, some some uh, door sensors. And, and that was the thing that I wanted the Z-Wave for was the, the battery-powered yeah. things because yeah. I didn't want to have to worry about like deep sleep with an Arduino and trying to pack all this stuff in there with a battery into a small form factor and then – um, I, I didn't have yeah. a 3D printer at the time, so there's, you know, it would just be this ugly thing hanging off the door, and like that's not going to fly. <laughs> Wires everywhere, and yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So I tried that, and, and it worked all right. But I had a heck of a time. I tried doing a a, a whole house monitor with that was Z-Wave, and it had some um, of the the clamps, right? And so mm. I okay for power energy, Pull, I'm guessing. Yeah, um, the induction clamps, and so it. I I opened up the 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 panel, and there's like 200 amps in there, and I'm scared to death, and I'm wrapping the little things around there, and then the dumb thing just like it wouldn't stay connected. It it, I I found there was an option in Z Wave or or, or in the in the somewhere in there. I found an option where you could force it to pull, but when you would force polling instead of event based, then the whole thing would lock up and then would reboot and stop reporting. Eventually I just gave up on that thing and threw it away. Um, Yeah. And that was really disappointing. So eventually I did move. um, I I bought a Zigbee stick and I've got some Zigbee stuff Mm -hmm. now. And I'd say overall my experience with Zigbee has been better. They're certainly cheaper. The devices. I was always envious of that. I'm like, Oh, well I, yeah, I picked Z-Wave, so I got to stick with Z-Wave. And so, but uh, the Zigbee stuff was always like 20% less or 50% less. Um, some of yeah. even more. 80 yeah. Yeah. Like and some of- the Akara stuff, I've got quite a bit of that now. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. the motion sensors and the door sensors, those work really yeah. well. Yeah. Cheap and I works well. I was like... Uh, I'm sticking with Z-Wave because it's, you know, all licensed. They've got like their protocols that they have to stick yeah. to, whereas Zigbee, it's sort of the Wild West. You know, you don't know if this manufacturer is going to work with this manufacturer. But realistically, right, like Z-Wave can have those issues even as much as you spruik, um, you know, I've got to conform to this class and this, you know, sort of standard. It's not, doesn't guarantee anything. So I've yeah, sort of... And I, part of it was that Z-Wave is, is in a... Um, in like the 900 megahertz spectrum. Yes. So I was thinking, okay, yep. well, that'll be better. It'll go farther, um, less mm-hmm. interference yeah, Wi-Fi from interference. Wi-Fi. Yep. Yeah, and so that's, that was one of the major things that kept me away from Zigbee. Um, right. I finally fell into Zigbee, and, and maybe I just waited long enough for it, and it matured enough that mm. it seems to work pretty well now. Although these these lights I've got in this room are, are Zigbee, and sometimes they'll just drop off. They'll stop turning on or they'll stop turning off. Interesting. That's annoying. Do you, do you have a range issue? Maybe like like do you? That's what I thought, but I I have put some 
um, some like outlets in that are, that are relays. Yeah. And, um, even then when I've looked at the signal strength, it's not that bad. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's not like it's that big of a space. The, my home is, well, I have a little, um, July, like a pi zero, no, not pi zero, a pi, pi W. Yep. Um, zero W. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever it is. It, it's, yeah, it's yeah, buried yeah, yeah. underneath the thing up just, just up above me. I'm in the basement. Yeah. And so it's not really that far away even. Um, so it shouldn't have trouble. Hmm. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Cause usually I found that when, when I had devices dropping off, it, it was that. Um, and one thing I didn't realize too is cause so, I mean, from from a Zigbee perspective, again, mains powered devices typically act as uh, repeaters, right? So we had uh, I had a bunch of Zigbee devices around the house, all battery powered except for um, on my hood, like on my range hood, uh, the, the exhaust above the stove. I had uh, two little trad free bulbs, and those guys. Every time I turn it off uh, at nighttime, sometimes my wife would just go manually turn it off uh from a power perspective so again they lose power um and then and then my devices just freak out because a lot of them were connected to there and then and then the sigby stick that's in the basement was sometimes a little too far for it or it just took a minute for it to figure out hey i need to go connect there yeah, so recalculate the mesh mm, yeah yeah so temporarily what i had done is i had gotten just again more ikea like i think they were like 10 bucks Canadian, uh, little repeaters. Uh, and then eventually I ended up getting, uh, sawn off, uh, Zigbee outlets, right. Just for my lights and stuff like that. I got rid of my old Wemos and, uh, yeah. And, and that worked out really well. And now it's solid. So have a look at your, have a look at that. It could be something like that. It does seem like it's been less. Uh, So the, the ones out like the, the carriage lights on the driveway, yeah. Like right next to the garage, those ones I used to have trouble with a lot, and then I I added some more of the the just the outlet plugs yep. in a few spots, and it seems like it's been working better for those. But for some reason, these ones in my office just seem to have trouble. I don't know if it's these particular bulbs or maybe the thing they're in is shielding them. Hmm. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, that makes right this near. hobby fun, right? It's yeah, it's a challenge. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Troubleshooting is everyone's favorite task. Yeah, that's cool. So, so are you still running? I know you said you have a couple of Zigbee or Z-Wave things still. Are you, so now I guess you're primarily uh, Zigbee, it sounds like, and then splash yeah, new stuff here and there. Is Zigbee, I, I, I have a bunch of Wi-Fi stuff too, like Shelly's I really yeah. love. Um, I mean, it, Wi-Fi is here to stay, right? <laughs> um, but so, so they say. Uh, but all new stuff, especially battery powered, is going to yeah. be Zigbee. Um, the biggest thing is that my uh, thermostat for my furnace and for my fireplace, the one that yeah. I had set up with the the janky relays mm-hmm. and all the wires hanging out, I finally put in a, a Z-Wave um, thermostat mm-hmm. for that. And um, so those ones kind of got to stay. I haven't found a really good replacement for those. It's not 300 bucks and, and, and I don't want to go with like the nest or any of those. I just, yeah, they're not as open and these ones with the Z wave, yeah. I can completely control it. That yeah. was my exact same thing. I think, I don't know what brand of thermostat you got. I think I've got a, a Remotech. Um, it's like a, a, like an oval black box. Um, I don't actually know how to turn my thermostat on through that box like the ui of it is so bad but i've got it because it's Z-Wave, interesting right like yeah it's i don't know how you control it <laughs> to be honest um, it so a, wants to change it yeah but uh, mine's a radio thermostat and nice. they have i think a wi-fi and a, a z-wave version yeah so i got the z-wave and yeah um the the fireplace one keeps reminding me i need to change my filter I, I don't know what it uses to calculate that, but there's no filter on a fireplace. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I just go by and I push the button and say, okay, I changed your filter. It's like, it. Yeah. Yeah. So every few months I just have to you can't do that for that a use a little bot. Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. Not that I've seen. That's a good question. Maybe there yeah. is a. Maybe you could have a, like a relay. Every... Oh, true. Oh, I could like get a little just... switch bot yeah. that just um, pushes it. Yeah, it just hits it every, every time. morning yeah. at AM. Push it, right? <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say every every like even like every like home assistant reboot 
like if, if there is something mm. in, if there's a service in home assistant that can, that can do it, just every reboot go in and reset my filter for that fireplace. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I hadn't thought about that. I'll have to look through, you know, in, in Z-Wave, I'm using Z-Wave to MQTT. I haven't switched over to Z-Wave to JS yet. It's on my list. Yeah. Um, well, they're the same but, thing underneath. Yeah, but it's it's a different Docker container. I don't know sure. what it's going to do. I just haven't bothered with it because it's, yeah, okay. it's working. I just... Don't touch it. Yeah. yeah. If it ain't broke. Yeah. I, I got lots of other things I want to break first. So, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it, it does have a list of all the, the different MQTT topics that it supports and what they do. And so I'll have to go through and look at that. Cool. Yeah, so yeah, give I'm that a sure shot. That a random like Z-Wave command, like, you know, um, like an attribute, right? Like you can, I'm sure you can configure it against, right? I know my lock, there's, you know, set parameter 33 to this and, you know, the block will do this instead, right? So yeah, exactly. something similar. Yeah, Fingers crossed for you anyway. Yeah. So how are you controlling your smart home now? Do you have voice assistants around the home? Do you just drive everything from automations or tablets on the tablets. wall? Yeah. yeah. So my goal with this was always to make it a smart home and not a remote controlled home. Like yep. a friend of mine was posting on Facebook. He's like, oh, we bought some of the Hue lights and and we're having fun yep. controlling them with our uh, Amazon mm -hmm. um what are we supposed to call yeah, Amazon it? Echo. Echo. Amazon yeah. Echo. Like, okay, that's that's kind of cool. Um, but like after the novelty wears off, like you don't want to have to be shouting instructions across the room for like 10 different things. Like, okay, turn off the, the basement lights, turn off the outside lights, turn off the, you know, it yeah. just doesn't seem to make sense. I want my house to do things so I don't have to. Yes, exactly. So for the most part, it does everything automatically. And, yeah. and that's been my goal. And, and it's also my, my wife just has a terribly low tolerance for technology, which I, I've turned that into a, a positive of like, if it passes like her criteria, then I know I'm mm -hmm. okay. Yep. Um, and so it's, it's, it's really nice to have her around to, to sanity check these things. So I don't yeah. go off the deep end. How do you find um, like kids around the smart home is all like have you had to do any automations specifically for them or uh, any special conditions or use cases that you've found that you've had to sort of account for them in the house? My kids have been old enough. When I got started, my youngest was probably eight. So old enough that they can actually have a conversation and understand, like, don't mess with this. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I, I never had to do anything with, with little kids. Um, but it, it is kind of weird. It's like, for example... Um, my youngest, um, it's probably a good thing, but she tends to forget to take her phone places. Like, so she doesn't always have it on her. Um, mm -hmm. So on the plus side, she's not really addicted to staring at her screen all the day. Hey. Uh, <laughs> so I'll take that <laughs> as a win. Yeah. Uh, uh, but on the other side, like she'll go to school, she'll go whatever, and she'll leave her phone at home. And so the house will think there's still somebody there. Right. So mm -hmm. I've had to do, I've played around with some like Bayesian sensors to yep. figure yep. out like, okay, if the TV's off and the lights are off, like there's no motion and this and that, like, then she's probably not still there and go ahead and like set the temperature lower or um, yep. that sort of thing. So that's, that's probably been the, biggest hassle there. The, the kids have been pretty excited about it. I, I offered to install the um, like LED, the, the color changing lights mm -hmm. on their bed. Like, so one of them, I put it underneath the bed. One, one of them, I put it behind the headboard. Mm -hmm. And so they kind of like light up. And then I, I built a little Arduino thing to, to control it or, or an ESP home. Um, yeah. And I built a little, um, oh, what are they like a little, um, a knob so they could change the colors all without having to have a phone. This was before they even had phones. Yeah. Um, so there's a little motion sensor in there. So if they like get up out of bed, then the lights turn on and they can change the colors. And they were nice. pretty excited about that. And so they're, they're big into it. That's awesome. Nice. It's, I was, I was going to say like, is that something that where, you know, would they be interested in actually like, Hey, let's together let's let's code this or let's uh build it and maybe you code it whatever like or is that just not like a just a do See, it for I had me the same, 
Yeah, I had the same thought, and it doesn't extend that far. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've sent them and asked them for ideas before, and they're 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 happy to give me ideas, but they want me to do yeah. it, and not not yeah, them. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but you know what? Though, that, I was going to say, even idea generation as a on its own is kind of cool, right? Like it's it's uh, then it's also nice because they also feel involved that it's like, hey, this is. You know, I'm also part of the home automation. I can also, I also can benefit from it and stuff like that, right? So it's just really yeah. neat. Well, well, my my son, he sleeps in the basement, and so he's kind mm-hmm. of all by himself. And he had a habit of just falling asleep with the light on, and he sleep all night with the light on. And I mean, aside from right. wasting electricity, it just he doesn't sleep very well like that. He gets up, he's so confused. So it's like, yeah. what if I put in a smart light here, and then I'll get one of these little a car of buttons and we'll tape it to your bed and then you can just tap it to turn it off. He's like, yeah, dad, that would be so awesome. <laughs> so we did that and he, he loves it. That's wicked. Yeah. Okay. Buttons are, it, it, it's, it's so funny how underrated sometimes the simplest things are press this button and it'll do Things whatever happen. you need to do. Right. It's, it's yeah, exactly. Stuff happens, whatever. And, um, but then yeah, there's the risk awesome. that, um, You'll, you'll customize it too much. And we had, we had my in-laws over and in our, our family room in the basement, um, the lights are pretty bright. So like when we're watching TV or whatever, we'll just use lamps mm-hmm. and I hooked those up on, um, a little sewn off, um, plug. And so it's got a little, it's got a button on the sewn off plug, which I kind of hid in the couch a little bit. So when you're sitting on the couch, you can reach over and push the button on the sewn off really okay. handy to be able to turn the light on and off. Cause the lights, you sure. know, like way up above your head. Yeah. Um, and then I put another little, uh, one of the Yakara buttons on the wall over by the, the hallway. So you could turn it on and off there. And then you, you could technically control it through the, the, the Google that's in there. Yeah. So there's a bunch of ways to control the lamp, but none of them are really obvious. And so they mm-hmm. came downstairs and they're like, how do I turn on this light? I'm like, oh, no, there's not any of those light switches. Oh, no, don't do that. Oh, oh, stop. You're going to break everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's like it, there, there's a button hidden right here or there's a button hidden over there. And like, this is terrible. I'm like, yeah, I can see that. That's yeah. They make wonderful QA testers, though. That's true. Friends, in-laws, parents, all of it. Like, it's just amazing QA testing. <laughs> From the perspective of um, actually driving your things, do you did you have any tablets even for one-off? Do you use the app? Do you use the web? I know you said you primarily just use automations and that kind of thing. Do you do, you do anything else from, like, a one-off change kind of thing? Yeah, I tried a tablet for a while and I had that on the yeah. wall. I tried it with the, um, the, the kiosk mode, uh, whatever that app is the called. Kiosk browser. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the concept of it, but the, the tablet was an old, um, Kindle and it was just so slow. And then it just, yeah. it started having issues where it would like randomly reboot. And like, I even 3d printed a little, case for it to mount it on the wall and it looked pretty cool but the thing was just flaky so mm-hmm. i ended up getting rid of it it would overheat yeah. if i left the camera you know i wanted it to pop up the camera view mm-hmm. up from the front door if somebody yeah. rang yeah. the doorbell right um but if if it was doing that then it overheated and it was just it didn't work yeah. out yeah, um, yeah, yeah so yeah. we use the the app i have that on on all of everybody's phone. Um, and so we use that for our, our presence detection. Um, mm-hmm. Although I guess actually the, the presence is primarily tied to, you know, I have a micro tick router and yeah. there's an integration for that. And so if, if they're connected to the Wi-Fi, then their device is home. Um, but it does report some of the other additional sensors like battery percentage and whatever. Cause my daughter, yeah. you know, not a real big user of her phone. She'll forget to plug it in. So it sends me a reminder like, Hey, her phone's only 20% needs to be plugged in, <laughs> which it just seems like a strange thing for a teenager to forget is to, <laughs> but, but it is. Um, yeah, and, yeah. and then my wife and I will, will, will use that to, to control some of the more advanced things that are, that are in there, like setting the sprinkler run times or, mm-hmm. or manually mm-hmm. running. Oh yeah. Going back to the sprinklers, being able to control each zone manually from your phone as you walk around the yard like okay i'm going to test all these like in the spring you got to run them mm. and make sure they're working and see which ones yeah. broke over the winter 
and it's not having to run all the way back, flip some weird dial and push some weird buttons on the thing. Yeah. And back and yeah. 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 It's been really nice. Some of yeah. those more advanced things. Yeah. We use the, the app for that. Bonus for that is nice. put NFC tags on all the zones. So you can just go around and tap each zone around the house and it will then just power that on for you. Now that would be kind of cool. Except that might be good. Be so I bought a big when pack. You... I bought a big pack of NFC tags because I thought mm-hmm. I would, I thought it would clone some some little um, the Nintendo Switch. Uh, one of the little oh the Arduino. What are they called? The Mebos or whatever. They've got a yeah the ones that they they try to sell you for twenty bucks. That it, yeah. it does some like it gives you some little credit in the game or something. Yeah, uh, but okay. I didn't want to spend any money for those. So I thought oh, I'll clone some of these, and then I got it, and it turned out my phone didn't have NFC in it. So I was like, <laughs> well, that was kind of a waste. <laughs> um, so eventually I did get a phone that, that does have an NFC tag. So I programmed a few and I've got one like here in my office where if I set my, my phone in the cradle, then it, it keys up the NFC tag and it says he's, he's at work. And so it yep, switches, right. like my lights won't turn off on me. It turns on, like I have a little Bluetooth mm-hmm. thing. It turns out I've got some color changing LEDs in here. It turns those on. And, um, and I've used, that's kind of the only one I've used the NFC tag for. I haven't come up with other uses. It, it seems like yeah. one of those things that there's a lot of capabilities there, but I haven't found great uses for it. But the yeah, sprinkler 100%. zones might be nice because then if you walk over to that zone, like it's sometimes hard to remember, is this zone one or is this zone four or zone five? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I was going to say too, if it's in, if the NFC tag is in the zone, you might be in a line of fire, right? So yeah, that might be a problem too. Yeah. Well, depending on what stickers you got, wear your swim shorts, I guess. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you kind of get wet one way or the other because then the sprinkler's not yeah. running, and you have to go walk over and fiddle with it and sprays you in the face. Yeah. So, <laughs> so some other NFC ideas for you then. Um, so I had, I think last weekend, I put together a garage door home kit controller. Um, oh, so. Uh, yeah, literally, like, now it integrates with Home Assistant, right? So Home Assistant can tell when the garage door is open, closed, can also open and close sure. it for me. Um, so I don't want to – I don't carry keys around because I've got a smart lock, so I don't have any garage key fob with me at all. So I put a little NFC tag, just stuck it on the brick outside the house, and I just go up with my phone, tap the NFC tag, and it opens the garage door for me um, through the Home Assistant app. As opposed to handy, going inside. It, yeah, that could save time over like having yeah. to open the app, scroll down, yeah. find the, the exactly. tab that it's on. And, yeah. yeah. All right, I love uh, that. Another That's one I've nice. got is and by the door, I um, I just scan an NFC tag with my phone and it tells the house, all right, they're leaving. So it closes everything down. And then once the door's been closed for three minutes, it makes locks everything down, arms the alarm panel, and everything goes quiet. That's um, cool. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm just using straight presence on that. That if everybody's gone, it just assumes that that everything. So it puts it in. It just locks the everything. Yeah. yeah. So the reason I don't do that is in-laws or people that aren't uh, monitored by the smart home could be at our house. Um, and we've you know had situations where my wife and I have left the house. Maybe my daughter's at yeah. home with the grandparent. Everything, you know, they're watching TV and then all of a sudden home business goes, oh, no one's home, turn everything off. And then we get a phone call, you know, hey, how do we turn the lights back on, right? So, um, yeah, that's Well, you should have been more involved during the design process. (laughs) Yeah, you should have been there during the requirements gathering. Exactly. (laughs) Requirements are always changing, unfortunately. I have had a couple of instances of that. Like the, I set it up so the alarm kind of takes care of itself i don't want to have to alarm a, a keypad i, I know mm, my wife exactly. won't do it and, and yeah. i don't yeah. i don't want to do it yeah. so when everybody's gone it turns it on we come home if if nobody's home and the garage door opens then it it disables the alarm so because i right. i think that's pretty safe i hope i'm not giving away too many like security secrets on on a podcast so um, all we have to do is open the garage so somebody just open the garage door because to me that's like the vulnerable part of the the house, right? Like garage will pretty That's easy. True. Open. It's easily a repeatable. Yeah. Well, I, I figure somebody's probably just going to kick the door in first. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's so funny. It's we, we think of security as, as like, we need to lock this down, except if you have a window in your door, like the giant yeah. thing that I can punch through. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's exactly. like, yeah, cool. Or, or there's the big bay window right next to it. Like that's, yeah. Yeah. that you can see yeah. in and it's, yeah. So I, mostly I, I do it, um, so that it, it 
like it'll turn the temperature down if we're away for 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 mm-hmm. more than an hour or something. And then yeah. we have had some times when like little kids in the neighborhood will come over and um, we've had them open the doors, do stuff. And so I just want to know about that. And so if, yeah. if it does that, then it sends a, a snapshot of the camera to my phone so I can see exactly what's happening right at that moment. Not that I can really do a whole lot about it. Yeah. But, but that's mostly what I have it for. Um, Makes sense. And then, yeah. So, well, back to the alarm, I guess it, it, it kind of just takes care of itself, but, but if the kids come home and uh, where they can drive now, <laughs> if they go in the front door, then, um, it doesn't know that somebody's home. And so it'll set the alarm off and they kind of think it's fun. I think it's fun. So we've left that as a feature. Um, <laughs> because I, <laughs> we have some led lights, just like accent yeah. lights in the, in, in the house, um, in the kitchen and, and in the, the, the living room out there. And yeah. I set it up so that, um, if the alarm goes off, the, the Google speaker will say, she just says alarm, 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 alarm over and over and over forever. And then the lights turn red and blue and start flashing really fast. And, um, that was the other thing I did and I can't remember, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it's kind of just fun. And then all you have to do is you just tell her to turn the alarm off and she will, and they have it, have the app on their phone so they can disable it. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's just kind of fun. Well, not your daughter because she keeps leaving her phone at home. So, but. well, well, but her phone will be there at home when she gets there. True, so that's she why. just has to run up or whatever and get it and run around yeah. and get it. Yeah, and then they they text me like, "Dad, the alarm went off for me." I'm like, oh, "Nice, nice." So <laughs> essentially, works. what I'm hearing, if someone wants to get into your house, they just either open the garage door or they just turn, when the alarm eventually does go off, <laughs> they just tell Google to turn it off and it'll turn off. You know, actually, I, I think I. Excluded that from Google, so you'd have to do it on the app. Okay, okay. Don't, yeah, but you could get in and just like go, you know, turn the power off to the house. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you can. Exactly right. Yeah. Realistically, you can just yeah. leave it all going until, and how long will it be until someone a notices and b does something about it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I get home in 20 minutes, you'll be long gone with my TV, right? Like, it's, yeah. not, that's, it's that's, not really that's a security I mean, thing. Right? Yeah, or, or even neighbors and stuff. I mean, you see all this stuff happening, like. You know, someone, you know, some unfortunate things, right? Somebody gets hit by a car or something like that. And you see people be like, oh, that sucks. Oh, that and they just keep yeah. going about their day. And you're like, you're not going to call 911, not going to do any of that. Yeah. Oh, we did have somebody ran over our mailbox. You know, it's just a simple mailbox on a little post, nothing fancy. Yeah. And, and I think they did it on purpose because my camera did catch them. Um, it, it, <laughs> It really it didn't get a good shot of them when it ran over because th- there's not supposed to be a car right there, so it wasn't really set up to record. Um, right. But when they came back, there were people and they crossed into the driveway, and so it started recording. And they came over and were taking pictures of the broken mailbox. And so I'm like, I think they did that on purpose, or maybe they're going to find insurance. Rate, they didn't come up and knock on the door you. to say, "Hey, sorry, we ran over your mailbox." So yeah. Um, when the camera yeah. detected them, the outside lights turned on, and that's when you could see them scatter, and they all ran <laughs> off. And yeah, nice. yeah. You, you just look at that footage, and you just see them being like, okay, little to the right, little to yeah. the And on the camera, yeah. like, you could see them, and you could, like, if you'd had somebody, like, if you had somebody to compare it to, you could probably tell. Like, it was good enough to compare and say, it was this person, but I showed yeah. it to my some of my neighbors. They're like, I don't know who that is, and... Mm-hmm. I I talked to some some of the sheriff's deputies and they had no idea, so it it didn't go anywhere. So that's kind of what I feel about with the cameras is they're not there really much for security, but yeah, I like to, turn. yeah, kind of that too. Um, and that's the same reason I set up like if you push the doorbell, um, it senses that. I just have a simple doorbell, but I hooked up a, a little Arduino voltage meter to it to um to sense if, if the doorbell has been rung and then, um, it, uh, it tells the speaker to play a dog barking sound. We don't have a dog, but it <laughs> just plays that at full volume. Yeah. 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 I figure, well, maybe that'll, if somebody came by and was like, well, maybe somebody's home and a dog barks like, eh, I'll go to the next house. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. I've seen home alone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you uh, in, in your initial email to us, you you also talk about doing a lot of stuff in your home office, 
around it being your playground and, and, you know, random messages that come around and things like that. What have you, uh, what have you done and what do you want to do? Yeah. Um, like before I got really too into it, I, mm-hmm. I played around with, you know, I wanted to have, I like the lamps in here cause that gives you that kind of indirect light. The, the overhead lights are yeah. just way too bright to, to work with all day. Okay, so yeah. I wanted to be able to turn the light, the lamps on when I walked in, but I didn't have all the motion stuff yet or whatever. So I, I set it up so that if I flicked the light, there was a, uh, a light sensor that I plugged into an Arduino and it would sense the light was turning on. And if I flicked it three times in a row, then it would say, Oh, he's working now, turn the lights on and, and go into working mode. And then I, when I would leave, I'd flick the light three times and it would, it would disable it. And that was kind of fun at the time, but not really all that practical. But then mm-hmm. later yeah. I did figure out a more practical use for it where we do have rooms where there's an overhead light, but there's also lamps in the room. And if you want to turn the lamp on, instead of walking across the room in the dark to turn the lamp on, if you just flick the light once real fast, then it senses that it happened and it'll turn the lamp on instead. Okay. That's actually turned out to be pretty handy. Um, I've done that in like three or four rooms. That's one of those hidden things that like the, the, the in-laws will never figure out cause it's, it's not obvious, but it's very yeah. handy for me. I like it. That light sensor it, must be like really fast at like pushing an update it, and then. Yeah. When, down. yeah, when you do it on an Arduino, it can read it pretty quickly. I eventually retired that device cause it was mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. on a breadboard splayed out on my, on my desk. I never really finished building anything for it and it got to be a mess. So I, <laughs> I got rid of that, but, but, um, and then the lights, um, in here, I, I like to play with those. They, they change color just like every two minutes. It's a different color. I don't know if it shows up on camera or not. Um, but that just, I don't know. That just makes me kind of, kind of smile. It makes me happy to see lights hey. changing color for it's just one of those things about me. Um, and then I, I set up a, a, a thing. So it'll play like every time I come into the room, into the room and it turns on the lights, it plays a message and it plays it. I, I use kind of the, um, the GLaDOS from Portal as, as my inspiration of like yeah. an antagonistic robot is in the room. And so when you turn on the light, she's like, hey, turn that back off. Or, <laughs> or, or um, I didn't think you were ever coming back or, or these different <laughs> things. And sometimes she'll be nice, like, oh, hey, welcome back. And so you like, you never quite know what you're going to get. That's so awesome. like every so often, and so I, I wrote those out just in a text file, like I've got 80 of them or something. And it oh picks a random one out of the file. So you get a different thing every time. And then when you leave, you turn the lights off. She says something like good riddance or, Hey, see you later. Uh, That's amazing. I I tried to talk my kids into say like, like if you want to, like you can send me a text message and, and that'll be the message that it'll play the next time I go to work. I thought that might be kind of fun for them to like program Mm, in silly little messages or something, but I could never get them on board with it. So I never, I never set that up. But I did take that theory or, or that concept of the the messages, and I I brought that to the to the main house. So when people come home, if it, it waits until there's motion in the main room, and then yeah. it'll play a welcome home message, and it 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 varies it a little bit. So it's not always welcome home, welcome home. It's like hey, good to see you again, or um, nice. it'll say hip hip hooray, you're home, or you know things like that for each of the kids. And I think they I think they still like it was. I mean, it's been in years that it's been running, but every time they come home from school, it welcomes them home, and they think it's kind of fun. That's good. Nice. I think it's fun too. I'm gonna ask the controversial question here: How are you doing your emotions? Oh. Are you Node Red? Are you straight YAML? Are you doing something else? Maybe I don't know. You're doing it in Python directly and GUI. Doing it that way. I do have a couple of things running in App Demon, but I've never really. Yeah. I haven't spent too much time in there. Um, most of it's all in YAML. Of course, that's, that's really what was available when I started. Yep. And, you know, coming from a, an IT coding background, you mm-hmm. know, being able to store those all in, um, in Git, you know, I run my own personal Git repo. I don't push those up to GitHub. Um, that just appealed to me. Right. And so yep. that's how I've been doing it. I've looked at Node Red a few times and it definitely is cool, but, um, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it's 
worth the effort and, and worth porting everything over. And, you know, I, I know what I'm doing in the YAML. Um, so, so it's the yeah. old, you know, if it's not broken, why, why change it? Yep. Yeah. hundred percent. I get that. What do you think about the UI though? Have you done any, built any automations in the UI and then converted them over to YAML? I haven't. I, I have gone in there. I think that definitely is a cool feature, especially for new users, because it, yeah. it does really help you, like walks you through each thing. I do like the ability to create an automation, like through the phone, like if you're sitting on the couch, oh, that'd be cool. Like you can quickly sketch out an automation, save it, and then export it to YAML, and then, you know, make it more intense, right? If you need to, like add extra logic, it would just take ages in the UI to do. Um, yeah. I do like that. That would be cool. I, every time I go in there, it keeps yelling at me that it can't save my automations, and I haven't stopped to figure out why. <laughs> you know what I need to do to to get that working. I probably would do like you're saying, like like playing with things and then port them to the YAML later yeah. if if I ever got that figured out. That's cool. Generally, what I do when I have an idea, I use Todoist because um, there's nice. a nice integration with it. And um, I'll just throw in my IDs in there, and I can put those in on my phone, and then I'll go back later so I don't forget what I, what whatever brilliant idea I had, or, or you know, I get like six, a couple months down the road, I'll look at it and go, what what even is that? I don't I yeah, don't know what that even means. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Coherency. But I do use Todoist uh, in a few ways to like where the Home Assistant will set reminders for me, like it calculates the. Um, the runtime of the furnace. And so it keeps track of the filter status and we'll say, mm -hmm. Hey, you need to replace your filter. Um, nice. It's, uh, cool. I have some humidifiers around the house and it monitors those. And so when they run out yeah. of water, it'll, it puts a, a thing in there. Um, if my vacuum hasn't run for a while, it'll remind me and put, put that on my, on my list. I, I like that because like the, the notifications are nice. Like I, I like getting the notifications for like, when my 3d printer finishes, it sends me a picture yeah. and, mm -hmm. and has the actions where I can turn it off or I can leave it on. Like if I'm going to print something else, I say, Hey, leave it on. Don't power down. Cool. Or if I'm done, just, you know, turn it off. Um, and if I don't respond after 10 minutes, it just powers it off anyway. So that's nice for those sort of notifications, but sure. like, Hey, you need to run the, the, the robot vacuum. That's not something I need to know on my phone right at that moment. So it's nice mm -hmm, to have it just mm -hmm. like in the background, put it in my to-do list. When I get a chance, I'll look at it and like, oh yeah, okay. I'll go, I'll go run that. That's awesome. Any, any, any other crazy fun things that you've done or anything like that? You know, one of the things that I like the most, so I, I do IT, I get, I get paged out in the middle of the night sometimes. Um, yeah. It's been nice. The last few years we've improved our reliability. So once upon a time, it was like every single night. Now, now it's like once a month. That's a lot better. But you know, you get up in the middle of the night. You're only half awake. I got to walk all the way across the house. My my office here couldn't be farther away from my bedroom, so I have to navigate yeah. all the hallways, the stairs, everything without trying to wake up everybody, without trying to like um, blow out my eyes because I'm still half awake, yeah. whatever. So I did set up where if it's at night. And the right sequence of things starts it. So like if somebody is downstairs and they just start walking around, it's not going to start turning on lights for them. But if okay. my door opens and the hallway sees motion, then it turns on the lights upstairs. And then if there's motion going downstairs, it'll turn on the next set of lights and, right. and then turns my office lights on. And it turns them on uh, with like a, a low um, brightness and in mm -hmm. and and actually can turn them red as well. And so yeah. you get kind of that, like, um, you know, Starship Enterprise is, mm. is in emergency yeah. mode feeling, which, which I kind of like. It's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, yeah. And so then, you know, walk into the office and, and, and then I can start working. Um, that just kind of helps ease that uh, trouble of, you know, I just got woken up at five in the morning. Yeah. Makes it a little easier at least. Yeah. Doesn't turn, make, make you a coffee or anything. Haven't got to that level yet. You know, it doesn't do that. Um, yeah, I, I've thought about that, but I don't know. No. <laughs> no. <got> there. <laughs> <laughs> I did have in my office where it would, like when I would, when I would hit the button and say, hey, I'm, I'm working now, it would 
um, play me like a status of like, oh, here's, you know, you, you have some mail coming today and the temperature is going to be this and, yep. um, yeah. and whatever. But what ended up happening is I would be rushing into work late because I was late for some meeting that I'd forgotten about and overslept for or something. And, mm. and then I would sit down and I'd put my headset on and then it would start playing. I'm like, no, no, stop, stop, stop. I'm on the yeah. phone. I, I can't. So I eventually yeah. stopped. I can trigger it manually if I want. I, I set up a little uh, bank of buttons just using a little um, just a little Arduino. Uh, I'm using the the Wemos D1 is my yep. my device of choice now, um, and it's just connected okay. to a bunch of pins. And so um, I can just program those to do whatever I want. Um, and so now, I, if I hit it manually, it'll play, which, which is still nice. nice. I always found like with my good morning announcement, like it would tell me the weather for the day, but then. I would just be like, I would just forget it two seconds later. I'm like, oh, and what did you say what the weather was? So then I end up asking the little lady in the echo anyway, what's the weather going to be? Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I've, I've definitely noticed that too. And you're like, wait, okay, play that again because I didn't hear yeah. it the first time. I wasn't listening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I did just this summer finish my permanent LED installation outside. Um, I okay. used, I definitely watched um, Rob at the hookup a lot. Yep. Like I watched his mm. videos over and over and over and used his recommendations on a bunch of stuff um, and wired it all up and had that ready for, for Halloween and then for Christmas. And that's really fun. Just the other day I was programming the stuff for Valentine's day to do some like red and whites or whatever. I think it's pretty cool. And my, I've gotten some compliments on it from my neighbors. Um, yeah. but I spent all this time planning it out and, and specking out the individual components and, you know, was I going to use channels or whatnot mm. up there on the ladder installing it. And I, in the middle of the summer, so it's super hot. I'm on the roof and, yeah. um, <sighs> and I get it all done and I turn it on and it's great. And then like two days later, my next door neighbor like has some guys come in and just pop his on in a couple hours and drive off. And I'm like, Oh, come on. <laughs> Yours looks as nice as mine. And I spent way more time on it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, and I didn't even get to enjoy those. Like the first one in the neighborhood. Cause now he's got his lights on. Yeah. So have you got like a gradient so you can do like every channel, I guess can be like a different color. You'd like chasing around and all that. Or have you just got like yeah, a Yeah, I did color? the individually controlled ones. I mm. went for the five volt uh, WS2812Bs, I think is the the one, mm -hmm. um, which I had, I've had problems with power injection. Like some of the lights don't look quite as bright as they should. And I think yeah. I didn't use quite a big enough gauge wire. Um, but I, I didn't. Just, I just mm. didn't want to risk electrocuting anything, so I went with yeah. the five volt. It's just easier on, yeah. on everything. Um, and yeah, so I have it running. I have a couple different zones. Um, we might add another, another little section, and then I've done a couple little yard displays. Like I cut a snowflake out of some plywood, and then just mounted some some LEDs on there, and that nice. one looks pretty cool. Nice. That's and cool. I was able so, to set up the lights once. Um, so that if, if it was a thunderstorm outside, then it did kind of a lightning effect. Nice. And then once the thunderstorm passed, then it would, it would turn off and just go back to normal. Yeah. And it was really cool. And then somehow I reset the board and it lost all my programming. I had to reinstall um, WLED and I haven't sat down and reprogrammed it. And I, was, I was so sad. No backup. That's too bad. No, I didn't have a backup either. Uh, that's the worst. Yeah. One other fun thing that I do is, you know, I've got chickens. So I've got a little chicken coop and I've mm. tried doing some automations for the chickens, like around their food and their water. Also, okay, and, you, like, yeah, automate their feeding or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, and the thing I've run into the most is putting stuff outside. It's just a yep. terrible environment. I, I don't yeah, recommend it to anyone. It's, <laughs> and so, especially with chickens, they, they really make a mess. And so I had this little... I, I installed this motor and it ran this door where it would close off the nesting box so they wouldn't go sleep in the nesting box and muck it up at night. Mm. Um, it helped keep the eggs cleaner, which, which is nice. But then it's just like they gummed up everything. So yeah. that I had to retire. So right now all it does is just it, – it's got a light. It's got a thermostat or like a little temperature sensor. And then it, it's got a – uh, a ceramic heater so it can heat up if it gets too cold out there. And sometimes it can get pretty cold here. 
Yeah. And you have to have the light so they'll keep making eggs during the winter. Mm-hmm. Have you automated like their water, like through the sprinkler system or anything, like just being able to top up their water for them? I've thought about that. I I think I would do. I mean, I can't have it year round because it would freeze during the, the yeah. during the winter. So I have these heated watering dishes that yep. just they have a little thermostat built into them and kind of takes care of themselves. And I cool. I've thought about just going for maybe a a simpler route of hooking up um, a hose with like a um, like a toilet float, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. it kind of just monitors itself and just would fill up every time it drops down a little bit. Um, and then I wouldn't have to worry about running electronics out there. I don't know if it would in the end be more reliable or not, but yeah. Uh, Again, in the winter though, how do you deal with, I guess yeah, in the, the winter the, I'd have to take it out. Yeah. Cause that, that I'm, I'm assuming that's the bigger problem, right? Is, is, you having to go out in winter to do all those. I guess if you got to get the eggs anyways, you might as well take a bucket of water with you or whatever. And yeah, fill it up. I think for the winter, there's, there's no real way to, there's no way around it. Yeah. yeah. Cause I know like a few people have done like things with bees as well. Um, oh, like there's some, been some smart hives, I think we're on like, you know, Kickstarters and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's always like fascinating to hear how people are attempting to automate little, home farms and chickens and, and stuff like that. Even like pet feeders, yeah. right? Or kitty litters. There's kitty litter integration home assistant now. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I it's thought about setting up, we've been considering a, a dog and I've, I've thought about setting up like a little um, game station. Like you, you come push this button and it'll shoot a tennis ball. And like <laughs> you push this, yeah. it'll like do something else. And I thought that might be kind of fun. If, if I get a dog, make some kind of little thing you can play with. Yeah. Although I just see putting all that effort in and then the dog is like, no, nah, I'm not playing with that. No, man. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. 100%. <laughs> I can see that happen. Yeah, rather a human throw ball. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, Corey, thank you so much um, taking the time talking with, to us today. We'll leave links to all the stuff in the show notes as well. And yeah, really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks right. for having me on. This was good fun. Cheers. Cheers. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.